Here's a thought I'll title, Ultra Deep Depth of Field. Last week when I was photographing in Acadia, I had many opportunities to photograph fallen leaves on a little bit of water, a little pond or a little collection of water somewhere. It's a cliche, but I love doing it and I'm stewing on a project. So I spent a lot of time doing that kind of photography. And the real challenge was that with my camera pointed sort of down at a 45 degree angle, it requires tremendous depth of field to get everything that's close to me in focus and everything that's far away in focus. And of course, as an old view camera user, I found myself wishing I had a tilt and swing lens, which I don't. So the next best bet is to use a very small aperture, which I used to regularly do in my view camera days. I'd shoot at f22 or f32 or some such thing. But of course, when we do that with a digital camera, we get visible diffraction because the normal sharpness of a digital camera is so sharp that the diffraction shows up even more. So I was hesitant to shoot at f11 on my micro four thirds, which is the equivalent of f22 in full frame speak. But sometimes I just did it anyway, in spite of the fact that I knew overall my image might be a little soft from diffraction. I even shot a few pictures at f22, which means f44 in full frame equivalent. That definitely has visible diffraction. But it was a trade-off. Do I want to have certain areas out of focus, or do I want to have everything be in focus, even though it's not tack sharp? So I was going back and forth. And then it dawned on me, this is silly, because I have two methods I could use to get really ultra-deep depth of field. The first method, of course, is to use a wide-angle lens. I had been using mostly a telephoto lens because I wanted to get the leaves that were out in the pond somewhere, and I needed the extra uh, pulling power of the telephoto lens to get close enough. I didn't want to wade in and get myself all wet. So I was using telephoto lens. Well, I started looking instead for locations where I could use the wide-angle lens, and a wide-angle lens has a much greater depth of field. So that was method number one, and it tended to work. But the real method that worked, of course, you're probably way ahead of me on this, was to do focus bracketing. My camera, Panasonic G9, has a automatic focus bracketing mode, so I set the camera up in the various menu settings that I needed to do so that I could do one press of the shutter, but it would automatically do a focus bracket and get enough images that I could then stitch them in a focus blend back in Photoshop. And it worked sort of. But I still had some images that weren't as tack sharp as I wanted them to be that had some areas of the picture that were out of focus. But fortunately, I also used a less sophisticated manual mode for doing focus bracketing because I have a touch screen on my Panasonic camera where I can just touch somewhere on the screen and it'll automatically focus there. And that led me to a procedure where I would touch at the very closest thing to me. It would focus on that. I'd make an exposure. I'd touch something in the middle, and it would focus there, and I'd make an exposure. And then I'd touch the farthest thing that was distant from me, and it would focus on that and make an exposure. And then I would blend those three images. And that worked every single time. 
It's not the first time I've used that technique, but it's the first time I've used that technique on essentially every single image for a little project. I was hoping I could put together six or eight or ten of these images that would be different enough and fun enough that they might hold together as a group. So I knew I probably needed 20 or 30 compositions so I could do some editing and toss out the ones that weren't weren't to my liking. So using this three-touch technique for bracketing focus, I ended up with lots and lots of images. And the only thing I wish I would have done now that I have all of these images back and I've been looking at them in Lightroom, what I should have done was make a picture in between each triplet so that I could tell in Lightroom where a triplet started and where it ended because it's not always easy to tell. Sometimes they kind of blur together. So it's a matter of developing a new habit that every time I'm going to use that technique, I have to take a picture of a black or put my hand in front of the lens or something so that I can end up knowing when a sequence begins and when it ends. At least that's my lesson learned from Acadia and these attempts at ultra-deep depth of field that worked mostly but not as smoothly as it could have done had I been more practiced at it. Copyright 2023 Lenswork Publishing